Hi, this is Dr. Carl Goldcamp. A um, few things I have to say. One is we personally are involved both as a lifestyle, a ketogenic diet, but also through my 16 years of clinical practice of what is effective. What do people need to take sometimes, all the time, to support their ketogenic diet? You'll get bits and pieces of this ongoing week after week. It's important to be comprehensive. In one way, it's simple. and one way, it's a little bit complicated. Hi, this is Dr. Goldcamp, and welcome back to another episode of the Keto Naturopath. We're now into the second week of January of 2019, and it's been an interesting week for me. I thought I'd share it. This week, I had the opportunity to go up to Duke University and spend a day with Dr. Eric Westman at his clinic. He specializes in obesity medicine and has been the president of the association at least once, but I think actually a few times. So he's been a pioneer in many ways, but as I've gotten to know Dr. Westman and had the joy of spending a day of seeing first office calls, that is people that are coming in for the first time because of primarily weight, they're concerned about their weight. Uh, That means they're probably type 2 diabetic, some type 1 diabetes, potentially PCOS for women, polycystic ovarian syndrome, hyperthyroid, a number of things that other doctors have referred to him. As he likes to say, this is the clinic of the last options or last referrals. But it's interesting to see who he gets his referrals from, from cardiology, from the uh, integrated health center. They have an integrated health center, which I'll be uh, spending a day down the road, probably in the next month or so, to uh, now that I met some of the physicians there, to see what they do, see how they do it, see how effective they are. That's when people fly in and spend a week or two weeks, even up to six months. They live in a hotel nearby. They have all their food and their their daily regime mapped out for them, and they do fine. The question always is, how much of that do they take back home as they change lifestyle, or was it a kind of uh, weight loss or get better kind of camp. And I remember talking with Dr. Westman and I said, well, that must be an interesting, rather affluent group of people to deal with. I bet much imagine it's a lot easier to get the message across. And he said, you know, it's all types, you know, that it's amazing what they don't know. And he does the same message across all his patients. So in the course of describing working with Dr. Westman today is that we have uh, patients back to back to back to back to back and maybe about a half hour break for lunch. And in the afternoon, we have two classes about uh, an hour, hour, ideally it's a little over an hour if the conference room is not booked for a lot of first office call patients that have kind of accumulated in the last couple weeks or months to come in for an orientation class. And so they get oriented to the basics of carbohydrates. Primarily, we just talk about carbohydrates and how would you drop your diet down to 20 carbs per day of carbohydrates. So we go around the table. And since you're dealing with such a broad spectrum of people, it's brought down to a basic common denominator that everybody can understand. So we name off what are some of the foods you can't eat if you're going to have 20 grams of carbs. Well, there's maybe 20 people in the room, maybe more. So that's a fun exercise and it gives a great orientation of people 
coming in for their various conditions and various levels of education, various levels of affluence. Uh, this is covered by insurance. So that's a big deal. So this is all through the insurance process. One of the things I wanted to talk about Dr. Westman and what he represents is that he represents the current manifestation or the current person of a legacy that started back at the very beginning of the classic ketogenic diet. So as you remember, historically, I have podcasted on this before, in 1921, 22, Dr. Wilder, the Mayo Clinic, Dr. Mayo was at the Mayo Clinic, by the way, that's how new the Mayo Clinic was, and this was a clinic that had a, call it a medical kitchen. They're very much about what diets to change for what people. That part has changed a lot in most hospitals. Only now are they getting back to the diet relative to the patient, but that's an aside. So Dr. Wilder coined the idea, can we create a diet that would result in the same amount of ketones as you would get as if you were fasting? A ketogenic diet. So it wasn't at the snap of his fingers was that created. It was created primarily put together through trial and error over the next three years by Dr. Peterman. Dr. Peterman uh, put his results together in 1925 in the, uh, I believe it's JAMA, JAMA the New England Journal of Medicine. So put together, and this is back, as, as you now know, if you listen to this, I, I love reading all materials back then because it's an open book. It's honest. There isn't a, might be a little ego in some of the writing, but there's not a hidden commercial agenda. There's not a medication behind it that's trying to uh, slight or ghost write these articles. It's, a, it's straight up honest. This is the data. Here you go. Please criticize it. Please try to duplicate it. It's a call to all clarion call to all other like-minded doctors to try to duplicate the results and get the same benefits. It was a real brethren of medical thinking. What a great idea. That is not the case nowadays. I'm not saying that some people don't like talking to others. Of course they do. But for the most part, medicine is not a brethren of medical thinking. It's uh, very much a uh, segmentation per special interest is how I look at it. And certainly you could say segmentation on specialty. You know, not all the specialties are out there. Clearly, they didn't call themselves GPs, but the endocrinologists of the 1920s were not the endocrinologists of 2010 era. So there's that. So time spent, as you remember, going forward with the ketogenic diet. It was meant to treat epilepsy. It was very successful, and it was the dominant method for treating epilepsy. <clears throat> then in the 30s and 40s, certain drugs Antiseizure medications were used. The diet fell out of favor. It came back in favor, uh, basically due to the Charlie Foundation, and that starting in the mid to late 90s. And the movie, uh, First Do No Harm, and the Nightline Talk, and we've talked all about this on the previous podcast. So it came back in vogue specifically for epilepsy again. So now we're back on track. It's for epilepsy, and isn't it wonderful? This forgotten secret has become public. Well, at this point, so that's called the keto, the classic ketogenic diet, 20 grams of carbs, one point, I don't have it in front of me, 1.3 to 1.5 grams of protein per, per kilogram of body weight in there. And it was primarily was for 
pediatric epilepsy and they had these kids on a multiple vitamin, whatever that meant through the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, etc. But they had them on that as well. We had the interview of the Charlie Foundation, so you now know that there's different, at least four different diets that are low glycemic or ketogenic. Okay, so where does Dr. Westman fit in? Well, hold your breath, hold your breath. Along comes the late 50s, was a young medical student named Dr. Robert C. Atkins. And he became a cardiologist, and he had read an article in the New England Journal of Medicine about low-carb help patients drop weight, and most of his patients were overweight. So he thought if he could take care of their weight, he probably wouldn't need to do any surgery. Now, this is surgery of the late 60s, early 70s. And so he was the one who picked up the baton, and this is a reference now to the low-carb way of looking at the ketogenic diet. These were uncoupled, if you were. So it's now low-carb diet leads to weight loss, leads to better heart condition, leads to lower insulin, all these things. Also, I don't want to get too much into the details because these details are going to be coming out as we talk to Dr. Westman and we talk to uh, Jackie Eberstein. So Jackie Eberstein is and was the nurse assistant for Dr. Atkins from back to 1972. So that's quite a history. So Jackie Eberstein and Dr. Atkins worked together through the 70s and 80s and 90s. And Dr. Atkins became the stigma of traditional medicine. They thought he was all a quack. They thought he, uh, it was a fake diet. Um, he received a lot of negative press, but nobody ever, 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 ever did a study on low carb. So it wasn't a very, I don't want to use this word insultingly, but it wasn't a very complicated or sophisticated diet. It was basically low carb. Let's keep the carbs under 20 grams per day. Okay. So that was the secret. Didn't modify protein or fat. Basically fat became the fat on the body, fed the diet, and so many things changed. All these factors changed. Blood work got better. Shazam. So in part, who knows where all the negativity came from, but usually when you're so successful and the fact that he was doing something so simple, so holistic, he broke camp, he broke, he no longer was thinking like all of his other colleagues. He wasn't thinking about what medicine and what drug to give him. And you can imagine that list was a lot, lot smaller than it is now. But also what he did, and maybe this is the, the thing, the, the pee that got under the mattress for conventional medicine, he started doing lab work. He started doing lab work on lipid panels. Uh, and not all the labs are out there that are today, right? So they didn't, you didn't have the particle size. You just had HDL, triglycerides, total cholesterol. And um, he did the other basic blood work. They probably didn't even have a CRP for an inflammatory marker. But he started documenting all this, writing down and seeing how these other factors improved with weight loss on the low-carb diet. 
Now, I keep echoing the idea this was not new. I'm not trying to take credit away from him. I'm trying to give him the badge of courage for continuing what was known. We've talked about different videos and covered on TV, both here and UK in the 50s. And a century before, in 1862, we talked about the Banting diet in the UK and how that went to South Africa. Now it's called Banting. If you're dieting, a low-carb diet, it's called the Banting diet. Still, so the reference here is all about low-carb. Nobody called it the ketogenic diet. So along comes Dr. Westman. He's a pretty young practitioner at uh, Duke, and he was doing his rounds at the VA hospital, Veterans Association Hospital, and he noticed two of his patients had lost a fair amount of weight, in a good sense. They were overweight, lost a fair amount of weight, and he asked how he did it. They held up the book, said, I did the Atkins diet, see? So this is mid 1990s, maybe uh, 1997. So he thought, hmm, why don't I look into this? That's the nice thing about young medical students that are curious. They will ask questions that other doctors won't, whereas some doctors will feel challenged if one's getting benefits and having success that other doctors aren't. They'll say negative things instead of looking into why are these benefits doing so well. So despite all the negative press and all the stuff that both Jackie Eberstein and Dr. Atkins had had to put on, nobody did a study to prove them wrong. They did academic uh, research saying why it wouldn't work, but there was no study. So Dr. Westman comes down, actually goes to New York City and meets Dr. Atkins and uh, had written him before and said, I'm thinking about doing a study on this and maybe we can get together to talk. So he went in, he wanted to make sure, go right to the horse's mouth and say, uh, how do I set this up? How do I do it? So it's what you're doing. I've seen results on at least a couple people, and I'd like to see if this works. So he does a study. Oh, yeah, he does, he does a study, but he asked Dr. Atkins for the money, and Dr. Atkins pays, and a small amount, enough to get the study put out there. And... Um, Dr. Westman was saying what well, was first turned down at some of the journals, and this is exactly what Dr. Atkins had thought would happen, is that, oh, nobody's going to cover this. They're going to realize it's about me. It's about, you know, the Atkins diet, and nobody's going to cover it. So they did cover, I'm thinking it was in New England Journal of Medicine, uh, Dr. Westman's uh, small study. So anyways, it was favorably received. People started asking questions. So I went back to Dr. Atkins and said, let's do a bigger study. So we did a much bigger study. Dr. Atkins gave him a lot more money. And so off and away it was. And so Dr. Westman verified twice and probably many times since then that the low-carb diet, so it's not even looking at protein or fats in terms of having to calculate it, just keeping it very simple. It got to be somewhat modified over time, but this is pretty much it within inches of what it was when it started so to say. So with that, Dr. Westman was off and away his specialty of uh, treating these people. And today, so now we're talking about 21 years, coming up in 21 years since he met Dr. Atkins and did that first study. And so he has had more experience with the low-carb diet. You can call it the Atkins diet if you want, with the low-carb diet, more than any other doctor in North America. So now when you 
go to your various media sor- uh, sources, whether it's YouTube or start at Google, and you see how there's so many doctors out there that claim they have so much success. It's like they are light years, light years behind Dr. Westman in terms of volume and variety of people that he has treated. One of the things that I was so surprised about in working with Dr. Westman is the time he spent per patient. Uh, he did not fit the stereotype of 15 minutes per patient. And yes, he is an MD and he, he works at Duke and he's surrounded with other MDs. But he, you know, he, um, I can't remember how many patients we saw, but I was certainly tired at the end of the day. And it's a solid day. But each person felt heard. Each person felt, you know, they had just basically one assignment to focus on. And he made them all feel comfortable that all their other issues would be attended to afterwards, but more than likely they would probably disappear in the course of following on this. And he would like to see all his patients back in four to six weeks, but, and also encourages them to come in as soon as possible to that initial orientation class. So that's the heart of it. That was the genesis in a way, of the low-carb movement. So when you hear about low-carb, you're still hearing about the ketogenic diet. For whatever reason, some people, group A, didn't want to talk about ketones, even though that's what were produced. And the classic ketogenic diet really wasn't called that uh, until early 2000s after the Charlie Foundation and and all that Charlie uh, Abrams had gone through and uh, his father who put all these things together and this modern-day savior who started the Charlie Foundation, named after his son. So that's the other side. That's the other history that is very important to know, I think, because it goes right back, right back, trace it right back to the uh, beginning of the classic ketogenic diet. And before that, we know it was fasting for epilepsy. Actually, uh, before that, it was not only fasting for epilepsy, it was calorie-restricted ketogenic diets for for type uh, type 1 diabetes. They didn't call them ketogenic diets, but calorie-reduced uh, low-carb diets. So that was the beginning of it. So it's fascinating to to talk to a a, a legacy. If, uh, there's, there's a bit of a, I would say, mystique about this whole growth and uh, his access to it. I'm hoping there'll be a documentary on that, so, on that point. But the terrible side of the whole story, the Atkins story, the Dr. Atkins story, is that how he was maligned for no particular reason. There were not facts there. There are all these accusations. And that aspect of both the media, call it jealousy, I guess, or competing financial interests that will help, will let you say false statements and put more money behind a false statement to get it out there and make it feel like a true statement, that's been used all over the place. It's just unfortunate that that smothered all the good things that happened for two people, to the results of people who came to see Dr. Atkins. So despite all that, Dr. Atkins did very well. And it's an amazing story. So where we're going to go with this, not only do we have an interview with Dr. Westman coming up, but we're going to do a few preceding podcasts that uh, talk about what he does and uh, I'll be seeing him next week as well. I'll be attending the, the low-carb conference in West Palm. Uh, Dr. Westman's one of the speakers. He's been one of the speakers for the last three years. And, of course, a number of other speakers. 
So, and then I'll go back for um, return office call, patient office calls another day with Dr. Westman. And so this will all be put into our conversation when we have it together. I think that having the context when somebody practices is more than just, is a lot better than a conversation which you can listen into. He carries a truth that is hard earned. That's the point I'm trying to make. Anybody can say, hey, I've been doing keto and these are the results for me. I, I can certainly say that. It's a result for me. I'm one person. He has seen results by thousands, by thousands. And he knows that primarily about 50% of the people that come to see him will not do this. They do, who knows? They are not motivated enough. They have a lot of psychological issues. You name it. They have resistance at home. They have all the things that block them from being doing good things for themselves. So, and that's kind of the standard and we can look at all the data later and find out exactly, but that's a rough sketch. So it's interesting. There's something so simple and still people can't do it. So not everything, I think that's important to know as well, not everything fits for everybody. So when we hear about, if we're going to call it the ketogenic diet, and we say oh, the ketogenic diet should fit for everybody, I think it should fit with everybody. And I do think that it will be miraculous for everybody in their individual context. But as human nature is, Probably 50% of the people won't do it. Who knows why? And I don't mean about religion or dietary things that are kind of complicated on a, uh, a real world way of looking at it, but it's just, that's it. That's how it is. So for people who really want health, and I, in my situation, and you know my story, I clearly wanted health, and I had to dig myself out. So I was willing to do that work, but I came from a place that I made other people do that kind of work as well. And my wife had her meningioma. So she did that that work for her as well. And she comes from a family of diabetics. So I don't know what makes people work or don't work, but if you're willing to do the work, this is the simplest work you could possibly do for the biggest bang. Uh, when I coach people and I'm coaching people now, and I've been coaching people now for about a year, I guess. And when you look back, about as long as the podcast, that I go beyond this. You have to start and have people create a foundation one little brick at a time and build up. You know, I do believe creating macros are nice, but not something you need to be mesmerized with or fixated with for the rest of your life. You just go through a phase of learning what that is, how to do that, then you know what that is, then you know what's reasonable, and then all the magic happens, in my view. Your appetite drops, you know what are great foods to have, probably know something about cooking, and the very least, if you're eating out all the time, you'll know about what to choose in the menu and so on. So that is a wonderful context to know. And we'll be exploring that, that whole line of thinking. Uh, I'm talking to Jackie Everstein as well. And who knows, maybe both of them at the same time. That would be a bit much. Jackie is a font of information when it comes to uh, working with Dr. Atkins. And what I was so surprised with was the amount of lab work that Dr. Atkins did. You know, why wouldn't other physicians want to share this? And why was he actually banned from publishing his results in the medical journals here in the United States? These are questions to ask, and I, not to go too far down that road, but it speaks to vested interest. You know, he would be have, having people look into some other direction. I know that very much from being a naturopathic doctor. I think that we always get the short end of the stick, but I'm habituated to that. Whereas I would have thought an MD that had remarkable 
uh, results would have been more respected. And that has not been the case. And even now, I just happened to check on Google now and look under uh, Atkins. I'll still say, all these years later, and Atkins doesn't work. Oh, really? That's amazing. How about you do the lab work with that? And let's, let's talk about a case-per-case basis. So it comes down to, like, uh, we have a public Facebook group that people can participate in as long as they are interested and will talk about ketogenic diet, not to spam or anything. And when people ask, oh, I started keto and I'm, I, and my jaw hurts or something, any idea why? I say, well, yeah, uh, what are your numbers? Let me know. Are, are, have you calculated your macros or you're taking at the very least your glucose numbers or have you looked at, do you know if you're in ketosis? And 99% of the people on the Facebook group do not do glucose, take their glucose numbers and do not take their ketone numbers. And they have not calculated, even though we have how to's on that. It's just that most people are curious. They don't want to do the work and they want to have the short answer and that's all there is to it. So when I ask those questions, you can bet that there's not a follow-up answer. I don't know why, but that's it. As a patient, I, as a doctor for a patient, I can be a little more pushy and uh, tie to the reason they're seeing me, that pain that they're, they want to have or condition they want to have improved to why they'd have to do the work. And so they're, that's what's coaching you about in essence. So I know this is just a short podcast tonight, but I think it's important to put a dot on the graph and begin the prequel and talking about Dr. Westman's work. I look forward to certainly hearing what he has to say at the upcoming uh, low-carb conference, working with him the following week, and then I'll be going up to subsequent weeks to to watch and see how the uh, integrated clinic is coming. And with the other thing I've learned with uh, it's any university or hospital is they often are not cohesive. That is, each department has their way of saying, you know, this is it. We do it all here. And, but that's obviously not the case because they all get deposited at Dr. Westman's clinic for the most part. You know, the, the things that didn't work out. And he's the one that sort of has to put it together. So he gets it more and more uh, complicated situations, but his method is a real beginning uh, a simple beginning to get the patient started. And in that, it seems like it's easy to say now, but in that simplicity and getting patients started on doing this, doing the one thing that will make a big difference and then adding on afterwards to get them started with a simple first step is precious. It is so precious to be able to do that. It's a gift in essence. So it might sound simple, to people here at the first time, and consequently, they probably won't do it. It can't be that simple. Like saying, just lift up my left foot. I'm not going to lift up my left foot. That's too simple. How about you just lift up your left foot and see what happens? How about you just drop your <laughs> drop your diet down to 20 carbs a day, see what happens? So we'll, we'll talk about what we add to that afterwards. Uh, that's certainly what we do. And um, I've seen some extraordinary changes. And what can I say? That's why I'm doing this. So tonight... I'll say, I hope you appreciated this. I hope you look forward to listening more about what Dr. Westman does and the subsequent interview we'll do with him. And after that, Jackie Eberstein. And then we have Stephen Kinney coming in. A lot of really interesting thinkers and doers and practitioners. Dr. Kinney is an academic, so he's not a practitioner, but what he has to say, and I hope you overlay it to all the other things that I've said and what I'm saying now 
adjusts is amazing. Absolutely amazing. All right, till next time. Take care. Hi, this is Dr. Goldcamp again. I wanted to ask you a few things that I always forget to mention, and it's probably best not to mention on this specific podcast, but keep your questions coming in, and you can send them to Dr. Goldcamp at ketonaturopath.com. Feel free to join our Facebook group, which is also Keto Naturopath. And if I haven't answered your question yet, people have emailed me their litany of things, and I choose one or two to maybe talk about, and I try to get back to people. If it gets to be too much, it just gets put in the back. But feel free, pester me. And uh, if I don't cover it to you specifically, and I think it's a really pretty interesting issue, then I'll bring it up as a podcast and cover it in a larger venue right here. Okay? All the best. Thanks for listening. For anybody who has any questions, feel free to contact me on our Facebook group, Keto Naturopath. Same name as our podcast. I'm open to any questions, and we plod through the good and the bad, the difficult and the easy, week after week.